passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. And ain't a damn thing you can do about it, Daniel. Yeah, well, you're not going to have that thing around your waist for much longer. Oh, hang on a second. I just had an epiphany. What if we had ourselves a wild card rule? I mean, we've had the superstar shakeup. That's tremendous. On top of that, what if I allowed three members of SmackDown to come to Raw on a given occasion? What if I invited three members of Raw to come to SmackDown? We would have ourselves a wild card rule. There's no telling what the hell would happen. I'm a genius. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. My name is Wei Ting. Joining me this week, not John Pollock. I feel like uh, I've been hearing some complaints, been looking at our download numbers, perhaps not where they should be. Our stockholders are asking a lot of questions. I think we need more star power on Rewind a Raw. So I'm officially instituting a wild card rule here at Post Wrestling. And joining me, one person from the Post Wrestling Network on this show, Davey Portman from Up Next. How are you doing, Davey? Hello, hello, hello. I'm very well. How are you, Way? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. And um, John, in actuality, is taking a much-needed break. That's why he is not going to be on the show. And I think he... Really needed it for this one, because I feel like this one would have sent his blood pressure just through the roof. I, I think so. I mean, I, I do uh, listen to you guys week in, week out. And I know a lot of his criticisms is the the brand split. And the only difference is being, what is it? The ropes are one color on one and blue on the other and something like that. So this show really would have tipped him over the edge, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, before we go ahead, Davey, um, our schedule here this week at, at uh, Post Wrestling. Uh, so, of course, uh, tomorrow, uh, the wild card rule continues as I will be joined by Nate 
Milton to talk about SmackDown and the continued uh, wildcard rule uh, on in the WWE. Wednesday, John is actually going to be joining me for our double shot, uh, talking about uh, Dark Side of the Ring with uh, Gino Hernandez, that episode. Um, and then on Thursday, up next, your show, Davey, you'll be back with Braden. By the way, I want to give a special shout out to you and 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 uh, Braden for the excellent job that you guys did on your Phantom Menace review, um, a show that I know was not easy for you guys to record. Yeah, it, it felt like it took about three or four days to do. We had a lot of technical difficulties and uh, yeah, it it was as troubling as the film itself, I think. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it was well worth it. Simply just to try to hear like Braden make sense of of everything. Um, I loved it personally. Good, thank you very much. Uh, John, uh, and I'll be back actually on Thursday for a special edition of the Cafe Hangout. Uh, joining me uh, will actually be a friend of mine, Brent Chittenden, who many of you might have heard from uh, for some of our, our previous uh, uh, podcasts. He recently most uh, appeared on an edition of our MCU reviews talking about uh, Stan Lee. Uh, Brent is one of the most knowledgeable uh, men of, of comics that I know. And I thought with John away this week, it might be a good idea to use the Cafe Hangout for us to do a little retrospective on the MCU now that the Infinity Saga is coming to an end. Uh, this will be all MCU talk, so if you're not much of a fan of comic books or, or comic book movies... This might not be for you, but I get the sense from much of our audience that almost everybody that I've heard from is at least uh, a fan of, of the Avengers movies. So Brent will be joining me, and I'll want to be hearing from uh, all of you guys on your thoughts. John and I have shared our thoughts. Davey, you and Braden shared your thoughts on Up Next on Endgame. Now I want to hear from all of you listeners about what you guys thought. Um, this is a movie that is just continuing to just kill every record. James Cameron is just like... Looking at the numbers, shrieking. He's already lost Titanic. Avatar is now uh, uh, up for grabs as well. So uh, by the time Thursday hits, who knows what that number will be. But Brent and I will be talking about everything from the MCU. Or, uh, and we want to hear your thoughts. So that's Thursday on the Cafe Hangout. That'll be released for free for non-double-double plus patrons on Friday. Friday, John will be back with me for our monthly Ask Away mailbag show. So that'll be released also on our Patreon feed. Saturday, John is back. He's not really taking a break, everybody. He's he's pretty much just as busy as ever. John is back with WH Park with Post Pro Rest this Saturday. And then he'll be back again on Sunday for the UFC 237 Post Show. So really not a break at all for John. But uh, at least two nights out of the week, he will uh, take some time off in order for Davey to step in for this massive, massive edition of Raw. Before we get into that, Davey, how about we do a little giveaway? Oh, sure. I love a giveaway. So every week on uh, Rewind to Raw, we give away a t-shirt, uh, a combo pack to a lucky patron of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And what usually happens is I've got this huge pile of names here with me, Davey. It's just like basically my, my entire condo is filled with our patrons' names. And I'm stepping through it all. I'm walking through. Uh, and the, the, as soon as you say the magic word... Um, whatever you want that magic word to be, I will stop and I will pick up one of these names and I will read it out and I will send that lucky person a post-wrestling combo pack featuring a t-shirt, stickers, and even a coffee sleeve. Okay, well, let's say snap. That is a wonderful magic word. And congratulations to Julio Mojica 
from Chula Vista, California. You've just been snapped. A combo pack from the Post Wrestling Cafe. So congratulations. I will get in contact with you. You win that. Uh, before before we get into Raw, Davey, because I know you're so excited, uh, do you want to get into some news from the day? Sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, I know I don't know how much how big of a American football fan you are, Davey, but um, are you at all? Uh, very, very loosely. I mean, I, I do work in a bar, so uh, during the season, the games are on a lot. I, I'm, I say I'm a Saints fan, um, but again, very loosely. I do enjoy watching the big games, though, like the playoffs and the Super Bowl and stuff, but don't really follow drafts or trades or any of that. Although I did hear that the, the draft was in Nashville last week and a lot of bachelorettes were very unhappy about this because basically it's it's the bachelorette party of uh, North America and there were loads of annoying football fans there. I have no idea like what any of that means. But, okay. <laughs> Perhaps in 2020, Davey, you will uh, add a, a bit more American football to your schedule because the XFL today announced a multi-year deal with Disney and Fox with games wow. to be broadcast on network TV through ABC and Fox and on cable through the channels FS1, FS2, ESPN, and ESPN2. So this all begins on February 8th, 2020, which is just the weekend after the Super Bowl. Uh, sources such as the Wall Street Journal and the business uh, Sports Business Journal have added, interestingly to me, that there have been no rights fees attached to this deal. Instead, how it works is the networks, ABC and Fox and, and FS1 and ESPN, they will pay for the production of these broadcasts, and then they will then own the advertising and the streaming rights for these shows, while the XFL will receive the ability to sell sponsorship within its programs. So it's not exactly the type of lucrative deal that we're seeing with the WWE's deals with Raw and SmackDown, but I mean, on the surface, it, as a way to ensure the most eyeballs on your product to get the league off the ground... They probably couldn't have done better than having both ABC and Fox on board. Oh, complete. And when you consider how big a flop it was 20 so years ago, that like that's huge to be on those stations. It seems like, you know, um, a, a lot of this is, is coming off of uh, the, the much publicized failure of the AAF, which is a CBS, CBS's uh, uh, venture into, I guess, uh, B-League football um, and... It seems here, though, without the need to support production costs, even if ratings aren't spectacular for the XFL, at least they won't have to shoulder all that burden. So it seems to bode well for at least, its longevity, at least for um, more longer than the AAF's uh, uh, tenure was. So I think it's also significant because it, it marks a, a, a continued investment in, in the relationship between Fox and Vince McMahon, who, you know, by 2020... You'll, they'll not only have SmackDown, but they'll also be fully in bed with Vince for the XFL. So it seems to be a deepening relationship and, and opening a new door with ABC that uh, Vince McMahon has now. Will, will you be watching? I will watch the first show. Like, I'm always just interested kind of like in the production elements of, of things like sure. that. Um, you know, last time they gave us the, the Sky Cam. Cool. Um, they also gave us like... Uh, uh, names on the back of jerseys, huge innovation in the world of, uh, <laughs> of, of sports. But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to see like what comes out of the mind of this, this person, Vince McMahon in any form, not just wrestling, uh, not just bodybuilding, but like in, in, in football, like this is a big venture 
for him on a huge stage. And I'm just curious to see how he does because I'm fascinated by this man. Um, more in your domain, uh, Davey. The WWE announced their latest site of NXT TakeOver. Uh, we knew that it was going to take place on June 1st, but now we have a location. It'll be Bridgeport, Connecticut. And instead of calling this one NXT Bridgeport, they are billing it as NXT 25. NXT XXV, bringing back the Nomen numerals because it is NXT's 25th TakeOver. Yeah, so this this goes right back before they were doing uh, location-specific takeovers. This is like including all the takeover the end and our evolution and all that, isn't it? So right back from the full sale takeovers. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It seems very because there was one scheduled for San Jose, wasn't there? And with the uh, with the Saudi show, I believe they moved it, but. It's pretty late notice. There's only two weeks left and uh, to build for this takeover. But I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic as usual. I, I can see why they didn't want to call it NXT TakeOver Bridgeport. Doesn't quite have the same ring as Brooklyn or Toronto or anything. No offense to anyone from Bridgeport, but uh, it's quite cool to commemorate the 25th takeover. I think they kind of lucked out on like this being the 25th one, if indeed that number is right. Um, cause if this was like the 27th, I don't know if they, if they would have had much choice to not call yeah. it, uh, NXT Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Uh, on the latest being the elite, uh, Bryce Remsburg, who is, uh, now the AEW referee, he announced the rebranding of their over the budget battle Royal to what is now known as the casino battle Royal. And this comes with a bit of a rule ch rules change from your typical battle Royal. Uh, it'll be 21 wrestlers total. Five start, and then every three minutes, five more enter until one person is left to enter, and that person is considered lucky 21. So, a bit of a difference there. And then uh, they also confirm SCU versus the Stronghearts, which is Shima, T-Hawk, and Linda Man at double or nothing. Um, and then, just a couple more notes. Uh, Fightful reported that WWE Raw home writer uh, Ryan Callahan uh, was let go, reportedly due to him butting heads with uh, head writer Dave Kapoor. Uh, not because of recent ratings declining. Uh, and also, on this week's SmackDown preview, they've teased that Shane McMahon will crown new tag team champions, whatever that means. So um, they, it could be the announcement of a tournament. It could be a match. It could simply be Shane handing the belts to somebody. So it was a very vague description. Uh, we will find out tomorrow. I'm sure they don't even know yet either, to be honest. Yeah, perhaps. Um, okay, so let's get into this big edition of Raw. Everybody wants to hear us talk about it. This was a show uh, that was originally running head-to-head uh, -head with a SmackDown house show, originally scheduled for Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, that one was re uh, announced over the weekend to move. Uh, it was canceled and moved to October 17th so that talent could be available for this edition of Raw. And uh, that is, of course, due to um, what they had to announce here and perhaps due to very stiff comp competition that they were going to, going to face tonight. Not only uh, it was Raw going head-to-head uh, uh, -head with the NHL, but they were about to face off against two NBA games, NBA playoff games on TV, including a uh, Golden State Warriors game uh, that took place from the 9.30 p.m. Uh, time slot onwards. So um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the ratings are tomorrow. But um, very tough competition for Raw tonight. And how did they respond? How did they you know, answer the call. Vince McMahon, he appears, starts off the show, and he's quickly interrupted by SmackDown's 
Roman Reigns, who is defiantly showing up on Raw, even though uh, over the course of the weekend, he argued with WWE's Twitter account uh, where uh, WWE said he couldn't show up and uh, Reigns said he he was going to show up anyway. So, of course, Roman Reigns appears here. Vince asks Roman who the hell he thinks he is. You're a SmackDown guy. Roman basically calls bullshit on Vince's You Are the Authority campaign. Uh, He says Vince promised the fans that they would be the authority, but instead it's just been Vince and his kids making stupid decisions. Roman says he doesn't take orders from the McMahons anymore. He takes them from the WWE Universe. Vince says, there's no way I can allow this. If a SmackDown star wanted to show up anytime he wanted, there would be anarchy, Davey. And out comes Daniel Bryan, making his first appearance since WrestleMania on Raw. And Vince can't believe his eyes. It's another SmackDown guy on Raw. This has never happened before. (laughs) Bryan says when he heard Roman was going to be on Raw, Bryan wanted to come too because he simply wanted to have a talk to Vince but the injustice of him losing to Kofi at Mania. I don't know why Bryan couldn't have waited till SmackDown to talk to Vince, but okay. I mean, I guess... Why well, there are going to be a lot of questions coming out of the show, I imagine. Oh yeah, and now comes Kofi Kingston following this, another SmackDown Live guy. Um, this was monumental; like we had never seen this before. This was like on the level of Hall and Ash jumping on Nitro. Um, Brian says Kofi is undeserving as a champion. Calls his win at Mania fluke. Uh, says it took him eleven years to win the belt because he should have never been there in the first place. They start arguing, and then this gives Vince. An epiphany. He announces that starting now from this point, the WWE will institute a wild card rule. And what this means is that three members of SmackDown would be able to come to Raw every single week. And three members of Raw will be able to go to SmackDown every single week. And Vince says he's a genius. This is going to be the answer to all of his problems. Ratings will go up. Uh, Stock price will go back up. Everybody will be happy. They're all suddenly interrupted by Drew McIntyre. He doesn't care about Raw versus SmackDown. He Instead, he has an issue with Roman doing whatever he wants, and he wants to fight him now. So Vince makes the match, Roman versus Drew, a WrestleMania rematch. He then makes another WrestleMania meme rematch, Kofi versus Bryan for the WWE title. So going up against the NBA playoffs, uh, following their worst, some of their worst ratings ever, this seems to be their solution. Drew versus Roman, Bryan versus Kofi, and the new wildcard rule. Your thoughts on the idea, Davey? Uh, it's... We we had the Superstar... Sh- well, the Superstar Shake-Up ended last week, essentially, because we've seen all these moves around. Who cares? Like, three, three people especially seemed way too many to be uh, shifting around shows. And, like, I I listened to, um, like, Bruce Pritchard's podcast as well, and he says, like, one of the main reasons why the original split failed was they weren't strict enough with it. And this is just, if you're having three people back and forth every week, it's why even have a brand split? And I know we've been saying that for a while, um, but I love the idea of the brand split. I love the idea that you can only see these guys on, on one show. It, it makes me watch both shows, but if we're just, we're going to end up having these stories like this, this Roman Shane story is just going to go back and forth on, Raw and SmackDown, you've already got Becky on both, and now we're going to add three, possibly even more than that, people every week. Uh, that being said, there was stuff I did like here. I I thought 
Daniel Bryan as always just was fantastic on the mic. Um, I thought uh, Kofi was great, although like logic isn't there either. Did what would he have done if Daniel Bryan didn't decide to come to Raw that night? Was he just going to show up and throw pancakes around just for the hell of it? Um, he's a he's just a, he he stalked all his moves. He got wind that everybody was going to show up, and he knew exactly this timeline would play play out the way this would. Like, it's it's a lot of money to put down on that. You're talking about travel. You're talking about a <laughs> hotel for the night. Like, it's just just to think, I think Daniel Bryan might be there. You you might have just texted him going, oh, D-Bryan, you're going to be on Raw tonight because mm-hmm. we've still got stuff to settle. Um, Yeah, I there was stuff I did like, though, as much as it frustrated me. I like, I like Roman calling out the stuff from however many months ago when the McMahons took back the, well, gave the authority to the, to the audience, which hasn't been the case. I, I do like when they try and call out their, their mistakes because it just becomes clear that they're trying to fix things and they're thinking of everything. I just think once again, they're going down completely the wrong path with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I agree that that's good. But I, I would think I would be. It would be even better if they didn't make those mistakes in the first place. Oh, completely, man. Because like the the first time it was, you know, they were calling out a different mistake when they announced this authority thing with with uh, you. You are now the authority. They were calling out. Uh, they were blaming it all on Baron Corbin for his mistakes. And I just feel like in three months' time we're going to be calling this out again and and saying that this was not the solution that people needed. Um, and this wild card rule is essentially. Going, ah, uh, next time we make a mistake, maybe we can have, say, someone of Ronda Rousey's caliber come back and we've got Fox. Ah, uh, we know she's on Raw, but this wildcard rule allows us to put her there uh, to shift a rating one night. And realistically, how, how big of a number mover is Roman? Like, and, and I'm, not, I'm not someone who shits on Roman at all. I like him, but... He's not like you would see Cena gets put on a show and you would see those numbers move. Everyone knew from this Twitter back and forth, Roman was going to be there tonight. I, I honestly can't see it moving that number too much, really. Can you? Well, he hasn't made a difference to SmackDown. No. So I personally don't think it'll make any difference. You know, I, to me, I think Kofi Kofi versus Bryan to me is a draw. And, and the fact that they kept Absolutely. it for the main event. Um, suggest that they see it th- that way as, as well. So I'm kind of curious to see if that retain. But even that, I'm not really too optimistic about. To me, I think the problem goes deeper than who's on the shows. You know, that's certainly maybe yeah. one aspect of it. But more so than that, I think it's just more of a, a real apathy to just their their form of storytelling that, that just simply won't be answered with solutions like this. To me, solutions like this are simply just cosmetic. You know, if we put yeah. this guy on this show chances are you will like the show again. And that's just not the case. You know, you could put... It's... Yeah, you could put The Rock on this show, and I might be interested for one week, but if he's involved in a shitty storyline, I'm going to lose interest pretty fast. Or you know he won't be there next week, so why tune in? Like, you can't just do an overnight fix. It needs to be, okay, our numbers might still be shitty this week. It might still be shitty next week, but let's work towards creating something that in six months' time, we've got better numbers than we have now, and that's consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how this goes. But, you know, the way they were even positioning this segment, like 
they really exaggerated how shocking it was to see like three SmackDown guys on Raw. Like, come on, nobody buys that at this no. point. And I think just to like use that as the hook now going forward is again not necessarily something that people really care about from in the first place. I do think it'll help the shows to have you know your biggest stars on both of them. Um, but the reason why they did the brand split in the first place was because I feel like they had such a big roster, not enough TV time, and and even to some extent, people getting overexposed by being on both Raw and SmackDown. So you kind of risk that again. Um, but we'll yeah yeah we'll see how they cycle people out too. I mean, I just remember that when I got back into wrestling it was around 2012, 2013, and they still had a brand split, but it was like that. Uh, the Raw Super Show. So you had SmackDown superstars on there. And the the world title had really been re- like relegated down to a secondary title. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel this is completely where they're going to go again. Whereas both the WWE and Undisputed, uh, sorry, the Universal Championship have felt like major titles because they have been separated for this long. And I think as soon as there's too much hopping around, it's you're really going to have the the A title and the B title. The other thing is like, you know, and John, I know will bring this point up, so I'm going to bring it up for him. But the moment they try another build towards a survivor series, brand versus brand, uh, God, what is it? Under siege thing again. Yeah. How, how, how is that possibly going to work there? There's simply no, among your audience, there's no favoritism at all. There's, I don't know any one person who says I only watch Raw, SmackDown sucks, or vice versa. So how are you going to, to you know, tell me that like this this roster feels that way when it doesn't really matter if your audience doesn't feel that way? Well, yeah, they they bill it as the only night of the year where the superstars will interact, and we've got Money in the Bank coming up in two weeks where it's mixed matches. It's Raw and SmackDown. We've mm-hmm. we'll have the Royal Rumble. We've got yeah, it's it just won't mean anything, and I think. They've got to just do away with that concept, essentially. So the interruptions continue for this segment as AJ Styles now wants to speak to Vince McMahon. So I guess Vince is like really hard to come by. Um, and he you can really only get a meeting with him if you interrupt him on TV. This was also a, a way to just get Vince on TV for a good 30 minutes here. AJ Styles comes out. He says he's not happy about SmackDown guys being on Raw, especially with Seth Rollins' friend Roman Reigns being on the show. Uh, so AJ uh, definitely playing more of the whiny heel in this program. Uh, so Seth Rollins comes out. He's upset about AJ's sucker punch last week. And he discredits AJ's claim that he built SmackDown since SmackDown was perfectly fine before he got there. AJ says this is his show, Monday Night Rollins. Vince says, oh, actually, it's my show. And then AJ says he attacks Seth because Seth disrespected him. Vince says, it looks like you two want to compete tonight. So they take their shirts off. They're about to have a match. But Vince says, I'm not talking about one-on-one. I'm talking about you and you in a tag team. No way. They're opponents. How are they going to get along? How, how will they get along? Yeah. I saw this and I just laughed. Like, you know, within like we, yeah. we made two predictions last week on our show that we felt would take place within the next three weeks. We gave them like three to four weeks. Okay. I guess, I guess two weeks with, uh, with um, three weeks, three weeks with money in the bank. And within an hour, not only did Roman Reigns show up on Raw, they also paired AJ and Seth in a tag team. 
exactly the type of build that you would expect between a baby face and a baby face with three weeks to go. Um, to me, this was the problem that needed addressing. They need a wild card rule for booking tropes that they should oh, God. get rid of from time to time and maybe borrow from another promotion and give New Japan the, oh, they can't get along. How are they? How is, how, how's Okada and uh, Chris Jericho go, going to uh, have a match? They can't get along. They need to trade, uh, I would say, booking patterns with, with uh, other bookers. Uh, it, any thoughts? It almost felt like stock audio for Michael Cole because he goes, they can't get along yeah. as they go to commercial break. I'm sure that's in a video game at some point. Those video game recording that line. Well, I mean, those video game season modes must be actually really easy to like program. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Seth, it's, yeah, sorry, it's, sorry, no, continue. Well, no, I was just going to continue with the segment unless you had more more to talk about. No, not really. <laughs> Vince uh, goes to the back to find them a tag team, and he finds the best tag team of all, Lashley and Baron Corbin, to take on AJ and Seth. Um. And the match is exactly the type of match that you would expect in a situation like this. The baby faces each take their turns trying to one-up the other. Both of them uh, deliver pescados to their opponents before uh, running in the ring to argue about who did the better pescado. Um, Baron Corbin uh, took control over Seth, applies his very special chin lock, which I think is a move that should be banned during this period, especially if you're going up against the Warriors in the playoffs. Um... Rollins hits a blockbuster on Corbin, hot tag to Styles. AJ is about to go for the phenomenal forearm, but Corbin distracts him on the apron, which allows Lashley to spear AJ through the ropes and off the apron, with Lashley landing really um, scarily, I would say, on uh, looking like on top of his head or the shoulder. We didn't exactly get a clear view, but the announcers at least made light of it. Uh, but he seemed to be fine. So the heels take control again, hot tag to Rollins, suicide dives to Corbin and Lashley. As Rollins signals for the stomp, AJ gets in the way. He goes for the phenomenal forearm instead, but Baron Corbin moves out of the way, so AJ ends up hitting Seth Rollins with the forearm. <laughs> I could not have foreseen it. The tag <laughs> partner hit the other tag partner by accident. Or was it an accident? We don't know. We've never seen this before. Did he do it on purpose? I don't know. So AJ just walks away. You're left with the question of whether or not um, they're actually good guys or maybe one of them is bad. Corbin hits end of days on Rollins and then Corbin and Lashley win. What did you think of the match? There's so many people, especially on Raw, that as soon as they come up, it, they could have the best match I've ever seen and I wouldn't know it because I'm I'm already checked out. And this... This Lashley-Corbin tandem, I like Drew McIntyre, but he's getting that way for me as well. It's Sheamus always used to be like that as well. It's, they've just driven these people to to just bore you. And that's what I found with this match. The, the spot that woke me up was when Lashley almost died, the spear through the ropes. Um, but yeah, I just, my eyes, I feel, just gloss over when I see it's predictable. We know these two are going to, uh, AJ and Seth, we you called this segment last week. It was obviously going to be Lashley and Corbin. Um, the uh, the one thing I liked that they did kind of stray away from the formula was with AJ walking away. You would normally have that moment where he's he apologizes and then on commentary they're going, oh no, he meant to do that. But I thought it was a nice touch having him walk away because it it did make you think about it a bit more than just 
oh, it was an accident. They've they've kind of pushed AJ a bit farther than you know your typical babyface versus versus babyface feud. He's certainly a bit more uh, uh, heelish than you know somebody in that in that scenario typically. So completely, I think they've done it in a way that once this program's over, they can just have him as a as a heel uh, as a babyface again yeah. and not not be like a full sudden big show flip flop heel baby face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so i i have liked that about this feud so far i actually thought the match was decent and it has to be with like aj and rollins there um sure but for me the premise was just so tired and so incredibly predictable even if i like the wrestlers i've seen the story a million times and so it's tough for me to find any suspense for it so um it's again part of the bigger issue with this show, where I feel it's not so much the characters that that appear on it that make the difference, but the way they tell the stories that I'm really sick and tired of. Completely. So the Miz is backstage. He's awaiting Shane McMahon to uh, enter or leave his dressing room. He really wants to enca- uh, an encounter with Shane McMahon. Sami Zayn comes out to insult us, and this week he asks, "So what do you got to complain about tonight?" Plenty, Sammy. We've already had Roman on SmackDown. Kofi versus Brian and a WrestleMania rematch is about to go on. So Sammy asks, what more do we have to complain about tonight? Sammy says there's a difference between him and us. And that difference is that even if we enjoyed something on the show, after the initial excitement wears off, we're still miserable people. Sammy says fixing yourself is hard, but complaining is easy. And that's why we do it. Because it's easy and we're cowards. I got pages of notes here, Sammy. I don't I don't know if it's that easy to complain. <laughs> okay. He's about to launch into uh, the critics, what he thinks the critics' reaction to his promo will be for tomorrow. But Braun Strowman cuts him off. And finally, we have somebody cut uh, Sammy Zayn off from, from this segment. At this point, Sammy drops the mic. He leaves the ring and runs through the crowd. Strowman chases him into the back. And we don't see them for a while. But uh, your thoughts, Davey, thus far on the Sammy Zayn gimmick? I think he's brilliant. Um, everything he does is so annoying. And even his clothes annoy me, which is awesome. And he's he's doing pretty much what he always used to do as a babyface, just amped up so much. Um, I think he's fantastic on the mic. I The only thing is I, I don't really want to see him get killed by Braun. I, I would love to see him run with this uh, for a while. I love... Uh, I like Sami Zayn a lot. I think he's very talented, but I really feel like this, whatever he was doing, had run its course, at least in its current incarnation. I feel like two weeks ago, they needed somebody like Braun to come in to lead to a program. And instead, it was just kind of like, what it really felt like was just like somebody in the back getting their like, getting their frustrations out on, on the audience. And I think that's useful often for a heel, but many weeks now, it just felt like it was, there, we didn't know what the point was to it. And here we at least got a semblance of what seemed to be the point with Braun Strowman attacking. Um, at this point, the Lucha House Party comes out. And we are then joined with a camera in the back where Braun has finally chased Sammy down. Braun grabs Sammy and throws him into a dumpster backstage. Asks, who's the coward now? And then Braun sees a garbage truck approaching. The garbage truck... <sighs> The garbage truck lifts the dumpster and drops it into its its back. So um, the assumption is that Sami Zayn has either been transported to the dump or if there happened to be a, a trash compactor in this one, Sami Zayn is now dead. 
So, if you remember, this is how Eric Bischoff went out as a character. Oh, true. Um, but also, what uh, Kalisto, they flick right back to Kalisto, and he, I think, was the first person to beat Braun on Raw, and it was in a dumpster match. Uh, Whether that was coincidence or what, but... Wait, how, how did that match even end? That was, it was, uh, the dumpster was by the ring, and, like, Kalisto drop kicked him or something and he just stepped in the dumpster okay. which officially meant he lost but yeah that was i don't know if, two years ago i don't know if that was an easter egg that they that they wanted i i doubt they're that smart but i hmm. i assume we're heading towards a dumpster match that would be the assumption or yeah. or maybe this was just them writing out sammy Zayn. who knows but uh, it appears that we will get something between zane and, and and Strowman. and sammy Zayn was lifted into a dumpster on this show everybody Lucha House Party are taking on three jobbers. I didn't get the names of the jobbers, but I know that among them, one of them you could clearly see was the Iron Demon, Shane Mercer, who's very active on the indie scene. Um, crowd is totally dead for this. It's all Lucha House Party hitting moves on these guys. Uh, barely got to see anything out of the jobbers, including Shane Mercer, who really just kind of took a bump to the floor and just, you know, was on TV for like two seconds. It probably lasted about 90 seconds and really just... I mean, I guess this really just served as like a way for them to cut away from the Strowman thing. So yeah, and I mean, it was Cinco de Mayo yesterday. <laughs> okay. They came out with piñatas. I don't know. Hmm. Um, right. I just I never want to hear these guys just love to have fun about a wrestler ever, and it's so many of these. I think they said it about No Way Jose later. These guys just want to have fun. I think that's code for like they don't. They aren't very good. They're, they don't care about winning. Yeah, they just hear. I'm just. I, I'd hate to be described as that. Like, if you said, "Oh, who do you live with?" It's like, "Oh, I live with this guy called Braden." Describe him. Oh, he just likes to have fun. It, it says absolutely I, that's nothing. That's actually how I would describe him. Is that how you describe Braden? Yeah. Come on, there's substance to him. He's basically <laughs> the lucha house party of. Oh God. Podcasters. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I would totally ask Braden to do this show, by the way, but I know he doesn't watch like the 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 main roster stuff, and I wouldn't put him through this. We anyway. we did watch it together tonight, actually. Oh, you did. We went to work. Yeah, I'd love to hear his thoughts. How long oh, did he, he loved, last? He loved this match. He he saw the whole show. No oh, boy. He had a shower during uh, Drew versus Roman. Okay. Well, yeah. I wish I, I I'm waiting for mine. Um, <laughs> backstage, Dana, Naomi, and Natalia receive formal invitations to accompany her ringside uh, to accompany Lacey ringside. And formal attire is requested from Lacey. So all these women are suspicious of Lacey's intention. They they smell peach cobbler on her invitations and they ask, who sends their invitations? So this is the big heel uh, action. She uh, yeah. sends the, the invitations. Ricochet versus Robert Roode. A rematch from two weeks ago when Ricochet lost to Roode. And then somehow that ended up with Ricochet getting announced for the Money in the Bank match and not Rude. So they made an angle out of that inconsistency by having Rude uh, apparently campaign backstage to be in the Money in the Bank match. And thus we have this match where I suppose the assumption was if Rude won this, he would take Ricochet's place or be added to it or something. Um, Rude wrestled very aggressively here. He is a heel. He draped uh, the ring skirt over Ricochet's face before clubbing his head while he was on the floor. Rude Rick monkey flips Ricochet, who lands on his feet. So Ricochet begins his comeback, hits a 630 for the win. And your thoughts on this match, Davey? Again, this is similar to uh, what I said about the opening segment with Roman. I 
I don't think this was planned last week, but I am glad they're addressing it. It was one of the criticisms last week was why why is Ricochet in this spot when yeah. Rude just uh and and I'm happy that they are addressing these things. Um I I, I that- just I, it's hard for me to like give them kudos for like fixing mistakes when I think they shouldn't have been making a simple mistake like this to begin with. Like, why did Ricochet lose that week? It made no sense. I agree. And and where does uh, Rude go from here? Like, yeah. if he was going to be this this new revamped Rude and beating Ricochet, he should be on a run. But at least they're trying to fix the mistakes they've done. It just, they, where do you go with Rude now? Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed the match, though. I, I much prefer seeing Rude as a heel. As you mentioned, he was uh, pretty aggressive in the in the opening part of the match, um, and that six thirty at the end, it he landed fully on him there. It looked incredibly painful. I kind of feel like it's worth noting that, like for a couple of weeks now, it feels like Ricochet hasn't been using the six thirty deliberately. Like he's been using, you know, four fifties and just uh, yeah other moves. And this week, he decided to bring it back out. I guess just to remind people. And I kind of think he needed it because. I will say, like, I felt like the crowd was pretty dead for this, for this match. I And I find that really concerning, how little reaction Ricochet is getting. Rude, I feel like, you know, is already a bit of a lost cause, but Ricochet, he's somebody to me who should have been a slam dunk from the beginning. He's still relatively fresh, um, but I just feel like it's, part of the reason is because we, it's, this is a match that d- d- doesn't feel important. He also hasn't really been given any story or even much promo time at all. He's just the guy who does moves, but by now we've seen all these moves already for four months, so I feel something is missing. That's what uh, Braden and I have been saying a lot on Up Next, though. He he's near and untouchable in the ring. He's fantastic, but promo wise is weak, and character wise, it's there's nothing beyond the guy who does flips, and they didn't really work on that much in NXT because mm-hmm. um, he was already over. He, he was over and. But maybe a money in the bank ladder match is is the way to get him over. He's going to do stuff that the core audience haven't really seen before mm-hmm. um, in yeah. a ladder match, and then you go from there. But yeah. I he mean, sh- he should he should be watching uh, stand up comedians and just try to get that swag. He for someone who <laughs> seems so cool, whenever he speaks, he doesn't seem cool at all, and I know. I've heard in interviews where he he loves The Rock and he he tries to base himself on The Rock a lot. You don't see that in his promos. And yeah, I, he needs to take classes in something, which is a shame because he's not going to have the time now on the main roster. And I think it would have been something that really should have been addressed in NXT. And one of the worries, I, I not worries because the matches are fantastic, but with all the sort of indie talent they bring into NXT now, it's kind of... They just rely on their wrestling talent and a lot don't work on that other stuff, which they do with the likes of a Patrick Clark, Velveteen Dream, the sort of homegrown talent. Yeah. And I think it shows once these like indie stars go to the main roster, it's they they needed work, I think. It just kind of highlights the difference, I, I would say, you know, between what the current main roster product is and what works in NXT. In NXT, you just have to be pretty good i think you have to come in with a bit of a credibility but also most importantly you have to be good in ring whereas in the main roster it seems to be uh quite different but the thing is who's to say that you you know being good in the ring do we know that being good in the ring isn't enough 
to be to to have you be be uh significant on the main roster? I I don't think it is. I I don't think you're going to have uh take Kofi. It's only just hit now, and he's only but he's had this new day thing for the last few years that has given him the confidence to be a character and stand out on his own and and cut great promos in my opinion how many singles titles has Kofi had until this point he's had numerous IC title runs US title runs can you remember a single story or promo he had when he was champion then and he's always been a great wrestler mm-hmm. and and I think it needs it needs to be the character that breaks forward Daniel Bryan he suddenly clicked with the with the whole yes and the no thing and now he's he's unstoppable in in whatever he does mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I, it's an interesting debate but I also don't think Ricochet is is the type of promo that you know is a lost cause at all I feel like he's oh, very, no. he's very much like a Kofi Kingston who just kind of needs that spotlight or like a Daniel Bryan who I feel just you kind of have to like push him in that direction with the pro- appropriate storyline, with the appropriate focus to give him chances to cut these big promos, which I think he's capable of. Um, so we move on. Ray Mysterio is backstage with his son, Dominic. And Ray says the best part of last week when he beat Samoa Joe was when Dominic raised him on his shoulders. Backstage, he greets Heath Slater for seemingly absolutely no reason. Um, but I think this was only there to indicate that Slater is now on Raw. Because I don't recall seeing this guy since the shakeup. So, Yeah, I, I think he was on Raw before the shakeup, but I don't know. He got his TV time. So Dominic leaves his dad, and we see Samojo stalking him from behind. We come back from commercial break, and Joe and Dominic are having a conversation backstage. Joe is upset that Dominic embarrassed him last week by going out to celebrate with his dad after he beat him. How dare you come out and cheer with your dad? So Joe tells Dominic to send Rey Mysterio a message. He wants to defend the belt against him at Money in the Bank. So this program continues, Rey versus Joe at Money in the Bank. And um, we get our first interaction between Dominic and Samoa Joe. I, I really want to see Dominic turn on Rey. He he's already growing out the Joe Hawk to look like Samoa Joe. I think you could have him like twinning Samoa Joe would be pretty awesome. The fact that like Dominic by this point, you know, without really having a speaking role, he's appeared so innocent. Like he's just got such a like he looks his face is the same. Like yeah. as as when he was as a child. So I just can't, I can't get the image of like that little kid uh you know um that Eddie and, and, and Ray were fighting over out of my mind yeah. so that I feel when he turns heel, it'll be a bit of a shock. It'll be a bit of a drastic change. And I'm actually very curious to see how he acts as a heel. I'm also curious to, to, to see how he is in ring, you know, like, is he ready for a spot like this or, or is this just more going to be a, a speaking role where he'll be taking some bumps? I think it will be that for now. I, how long has he been training now? I don't know if it's been that long. I don't, you know, we, I know he was at Lance's for a bit, but I also certainly not at the level of somebody like a Samoa Joe or even, you know, you're like even a Baron Corbin. I don't think. But enough that he could be taken out or whatever. Yeah. I would say so. That's cool. Yeah. What do you think this is leading with Dominic? Just the heel turn? I think so. I think that could be great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I I don't I think Samoa Joe should have a decent run with this title and I'm looking forward to seeing a proper match between these two. Me too. Because uh, we were kind of cheated out of that at Mania. Yeah, Mania, and then they had a TV match, which was good, but still brief. I'm looking forward to, yeah. like, to a long, substantial match, too. Me too. I, I think Money in the Bank, like, on paper, actually looks pretty good. Like I think ring. so. Yeah, I agree. It's We say that about most of the cards, mm-hmm. though. Like, the last few pay-per-views, I think, on paper, fantastic. It's just how you get there. It's It's... I haven't been watching Raw or SmackDown as much as I used to. I'm. This is the first one I've watched since since I was at Raw at Mania because you can just watch the pay per views. That's all you need to watch. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lacey Evans is taking on uh, Jobber, Ali, Katrina, and everybody heads out ringside to watch the match. Naomi, Dana Brooke, Natalia, Alexa Bliss, all of them were invited. Uh, all of the money in the bank participants from Raw, basically. And it's a quick squash. She wins with the w- woman's right. And then Lacey grabs the mic. She cuts a promo, says she invited everybody out here to see what a legitimate lady lady is capable of. She's also here to warn the four from thinking about cashing in the money in the bank briefcase in the event that they win it. And in the event that she defeats Becky for the belt because they will be sorry. So out comes Becky Lynch who rushes to the ring to attack Lacey. Um, they end up in a bit of a brawl, and Becky goes for the disarmer, and Lacey is able to escape and retreat. How are your thoughts on this program and Lacey Evans so far, Davey? Um, I've not been the biggest Lacey Evans fan, but I would say I I think everything uh, character-wise and promo-wise, she's nailed uh, on the main roster so far. She hasn't seemed phased by being put in this big program. It's just whether the the actual wrestling can live up to it. And I don't have too high expectations for this match, but it goes back to what I was saying about Ricochet earlier. This is a character that was worked from scratch in the PC and it's not a character I'm particularly fond of, but she's, I think she's nailing it performance wise. Yeah. I mean, to me though, she's somebody who seems to be, too much character, if you know what I mean. I, yeah. I I agree that like you know certain guys who are certain guys are lacking character at all. But to me, she seems too cartoonish, especially for somebody going up against Becky Lynch, who I think is all of her programs have been have been so grounded in reality, coming from Charlotte and coming from the Becky uh, Ronda program to now this like somebody who thinks they're 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 time traveling. Uh, I don't know what you call her, um, lady from. Uh, the 40s it they never really explained it and i feel like what's kind of missing for me from the program is just like a deep issue a personal issue that they're fighting over which i i don't even know why lacy really wants the belt no but i mean i would say after ronda and charlotte where where do you go in the women's division no one is on their level like mm-hmm. you put her up against a natalia or a ruby riot you've really got to heat them up and I don't I don't think the audience would be sold on it to, so to bring in someone new who is quite a big character and a very different type of character to Ronda um, and Charlotte might might be a good idea just to freshen it up and try and build someone up legitimate. I, I mean I think Sasha would have been great in that position but who knows what's going on there. My problem isn't with you know the fact that she's new or even the fact that she might not be that great in ring. I, I think 
it's great to have you know new people but is it is it um is it the right type of of character you know like there are very cartoonish characters in the, in the company and i think they often work but i think the to me i'll have to see what the match is like but i think it's the chemistry that for me that doesn't really fully gel here um and i think lacey evans herself is just like right now a little bit too superficial for me for, for at least for me to get into a, a title program with but i definitely will give her a chance with this match we got a daniel bryan backstage who cuts a promo on kofi King kingston's constant shilling his constant shilling of pancakes his constant shilling of merchandise he needs to end kofi's reign in order to correct course for human history because he was born to be the planet's champion great promo from brian yeah yeah i i love him he was my promo of the year last year best on the mic i i think he's fantastic the viking raiders are about to take on the wwe tag team champions in a non-title match so the viking raiders still continue to do their entrance and they continue to like pump their fist and encourage people to chant but without being able to say war 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 I have no idea what they actually want us to be chanting. So each week I'm kind of watching, trying to like read their lips, seeing what it is like Ivar and Eric are actually like mouthing with their words to encourage the audience to chant. And I've, I've come to the conclusion that Eric is yelling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Ivar is more saying, or, or, or something like that. <laughs> um, are they, are they not just shouting their names to just try and get it across to Eric, everyone? Eric, 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 Ivar, Ivar, Ivar. Ivar, Ivar. Perhaps. Michael Cole still isn't sure because he <laughs> there was definitely a pause. And now we've got Ivar and Eric. Might take a few weeks. They need name yeah. tags. What they, need. they do. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, we see the Uso sneaking out of a dressing room in the back. More to come on that front. So the Viking Raiders are taking on, of course, the WWE Tag Team Champions. Uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, who unfortunately don't even get entrances on this show. They're just joined in progress in the ring. The Ryder goes for the Rough Rider, but it's blocked. And then Ivar and Eric deliver the Viking experience to Ryder to give the Viking experience the clean win over the tag team champions. Um, I didn't, it was not very long, everybody. So you didn't miss much. Um, and then I felt like just as quickly as they got the win, Cole just kind of like, you know, said, ah, they beat the tag team champions coming up next in our main event tonight. <laughs> like it was just like completely dismissed. No significance really placed on this outcome at all. First of all, no significance placed on the match itself. But even after you have the Viking experience pretty much like achieve the top like accolade in the division, beating the tag team champions, you figured that would, you know, that would, you would make a bigger deal out of that. Oh, completely. Um, but it's it's a joke tag team that they're beating. Like they they haven't cared about this uh, these titles for years now. Um, it, I th I feel they're just gonna quickly put the the straps on these guys. And I mean Viking Viking Raiders against Usos or Revival, like that should be incredible. But yeah, and the crowd was so quiet here. Mm -hmm. Very quiet. I mean, it doesn't help that you know, like they. The Viking experiencers are still heels without really like any way of getting heat, I would say. Um, there's already the confusion of them coming from NXT as babyfaces. And I think 
much of the audience wanting to cheer them as babyfaces instead. But beyond that, they've done squash matches, but they haven't necessarily done anything that dastardly to get people to boo. And Ryder, and yeah. Are we only assuming they're heels because they were paired with the Revival on their debut? It's... Um, like no. They, they're coming out riling the crowd up with the, the war chants. To and me, that's that. the inconsistency. Yes. Yeah. Because they've probably done that entrance for so long in NXT. That's all they know what to, how to do. But week after week, they've been paired against babyface tag teams. Um, they're just kind of like your, you know, de facto two big guys, authors of pain, bludgeon brothers type of heel tag yeah. team to me. I could be wrong, but all indications seem to be that they are heels. But I, I'm completely with you. I feel like these belts probably like, I feel like these belts meant more when it was Nicholas and Braun Strowman with them. Completely. You know, which is, I mean, a- let's hope we can have the, the Usos haven't held the raw tag titles. So let's that, I mean, that could be a program I'd happily see. For a good few pay-per-views in a row. Um, like the Usos and New Day. I think you put those guys with the Viking Raiders. You could have some fantastic matches. And hopefully raise the prestige of these titles a bit. I love the optimism. I, lo- I love <laughs> like you know seeing like what we have here. And then seeing what could be. And you're definitely picking like the best case scenario. Of like these tag teams. And Raw has like the best tag teams on the show. So the state. Oh, I just remembered a segment coming up, and I'm gonna get sad. (laughs) So the fact that, like, you know, like the the your your tag belts are 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 in situations like this, I think is just like just have them win the belts tonight and just like move on from from Ryder and Hawkins. We go we go to the Firefly Funhouse segment, and Mercy the Buzzard has been eating something, but he won't tell Bray. He won't tell Abby what it is. So Bray eventually grabs it from Mercy's box. Yowie wowie, he says. It turns out Mercy was eating Ramblin' Rabbit, which was another character from the Funhouse from previous weeks. He despised, uh, Mercy, the, the buzzard says he despises Ramblin' Rabbit because he was trying to get him to adhere to his ideologies. Bray says, you could be for- forgiven no matter what, just like I was. In fact, Bray thinks Mercy should be rewarded picnic time. <laughs> I don't know how John does this every single week. Picnic time. And p- what picnic time is, Davey, is a bunch of children appearing in the, f- the Firefly Fun House, sitting on the floor with dead pr- deadpan expressions as if they're in some sort of trance. So that's picnic time. Uh, Bray wears sunglasses, and he tells the audience he always lights the way. All you have to do is just let him in. Um, I should know that over the weekend, like Bray tweeted out something that's where he said he left a number of clues in his promos from several months back that were like a sequence of like eight different promos with like these, you know, um, short lines scattered into them that has some deeper meaning if you put them all together. So some people have, have tweeted at, at us asking us to try to solve this. There's I, no- yeah. Oh, I think I heard what it was. I don't know if it's true or not. Okay, please. If you if you I know believe what it it's is. the lyrics from Friends. I mean, whatever that I, means. I heard a bunch of like joke replies to that. I don't know if that's one of the the joke responses. Uh, we haven't. I, I at least I haven't heard confirmation about what it is right. either way. But there's no fucking way I'm going back to rewatch <laughs> a bunch of like eight month old Bray Wyatt promos just to dig up these Easter eggs. I think it's great to have Easter eggs. I love it. I. But I think ultimately you have to enjoy the process. Um, yeah. And those promos are just like nothing to me. So 
I wonder if like these segments, these Firefly Funhouse segments are very much in that same vein where there are a lot of hidden meanings. You kind of have to wait for them all to come up before you go back to all of them so that you can chain some meaning together. But um, at this point, at least like these riddles are so challenging that I, I wonder if if people will be discouraged by the time it's actually time to, you know, care. I, I think they need to pull the trigger with this soon. Uh, I'm still in, intrigued by this. I haven't. Uh, this isn't boring me like the old Bray promos used to. Huge um, improvement from those. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, it's still not making much sense, but I feel I'm hoping there's some kind of direction. And you've added now the kids who all looked miserable being there. So what's that all about? I am I am intrigued what the payoff's going to be by this. I just I want to know how it's going to work in a wrestling match situation, this character. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying. I mean, we don't know right now, of course, if he's Raw or SmackDown. And to even think about who would be there to oppose this guy is is an interesting, you know, uh, proposition. Um, but I'm with you. Like, I I, con- I continue to be mesmerized. I would say I always leave these segments like wondering why, wondering what, you know, wondering what, who, and it's. It's going to end up like the Emmalina thing where he just comes out and it's like, yeah, that that we're not doing that. Man, it's it just would Bray be, Wyatt again. It would be so disappointing, especially for Bray yeah. Wyatt if they drop this. I think they have to seed this through, but I'm with you. I think like the payoff should come like hopefully within a month. Money in the bank should be you can have a segment at Money in the Bank where you pay it off, I think. Seth- and then you can move forward to an actual feud. Seth Rollins is backstage. He says it doesn't matter if AJ hit him per- on purpose or not. AJ already made his point when he, when he hit him two weeks in a row. Seth is really angry. And he says the next time AJ walks away from him, it'll be with two black eyes and a broken face. Do you like the promo from Seth? Sure. Like, it was fine. It's that it's another WWE word. They don't like saying broken jaw or broken nose. It's a broken face. You're right. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think a broken jaw sounds way more menacing. You'll be walking away with a broken jaw. Yeah, yeah. Broken. Sure, it was fine. It got the point across. Broken face is not really something you you hear about too often. Like, what what kind of thinking is that? Like, what's wrong with broken nose? Yeah. What I do enjoy is that, like, they at least on this edition of Raw. I don't know if they started doing it last week or not, but uh, this week you saw a number of promos of guys simply backstage talking to the camera by themselves. No context needed for it. They're not being interviewed by Charlie. Uh, there's no beautifully lit backstage area. It's just them looking into the camera, talking to the audience, and giving like a 30-second promo. We saw Kofi do it. We saw Seth do it. We saw Brian do it on this show. And I thought they were all effective. Like To me, that's like the ability to like cut a 30-second promo in front of a, to an audience in front of a camera is like, Something that, you know, every wrestler kind of has in their back pocket that they've been training to do since day one. And we haven't seen enough of that. So I'm glad, like, we get to see, like, we get, we're we starting to get to see that on, on Raw. Felt less scripted as well, mm-hmm. I think. It, yeah. it did feel, yeah, you've got 30 seconds, get your point across, hit these points. Um, and they've done away with the selfie promos now, yes. which I'm very happy about. Mm-hmm. Roman Reigns takes on Drew McIntyre at, for our 10 p.m. main event. So uh, most of this match was Drew in control with his punches and stomps. And I would say all pretty standard stuff until we get to the floor where Drew lands a reverse Alabama slam to Reigns onto the apron, which looked really rough. 
as we go to commercial break. We come back. Roman has regained his strength and he's now in control. Reigns goes for the Superman punch, but Drew counters that with the Spinebuster. Drew hits the Glasgow kiss for two. Roman responds with the DDT for two. Crowd is starting to get into the match. Drew goes up top for a dive, but Roman catches him midair with the Superman punch, which also gets two. Roman goes for the spear. Drew avoids the first one, but Reigns catches him as he bounces off the ropes with the second. Reigns goes for the cover, but Shane McMahon and Elias run in to attack him. So, uh, also from SmackDown, Shane McMahon and Elias. Davey, your thoughts on the match? I preferred this to their Mania match. Um, I think that Reverse Alabama Slam should have had a much bigger impact. Mm -hmm. I I thought it looked awesome, and I can see this being like KO's powerbomb to the apron spot. If he did this on smaller guys, it would look deadly. But then you come back from the commercial break and Roman's already on top, so it... It undermined that spot, I thought, which I thought could have been pretty cool. Um, yeah, th- this match was fine. It, it's what I expect from a Roman versus Drew match, but probably benefited from not being eight hours into a WrestleMania and just being two hours into a show. Yeah. I uh, it's I can't really tell you which match I liked more because like that Mania match really... I, I don't have much of a recollection of it, unfortunately. Um, but this was... Like, it was exactly the type of match I think you expected these two to have. I will say, though, like, Roman definitely attracts an audience and gets this audience. Like, the last couple minutes, the last five minutes, I thought were actually really strong. Whenever they got to the finishes, um, they definitely got this crowd. So, we got Elias and Shane continuing the beatdown. But out comes the Miz to chase Shane into the crowd. And this leaves Elias and Drew teaming up. Claymore kick to Roman that lays him out. So... Seems as though Roman and Drew is a program that, well, I guess they're trying to transition this now to Roman and Elias, which is the match. I assume, yeah, Roman and Elias and then build to Roman Shane. Right. So Shane, we catch up with backstage. He's running away away from The Miz. Eventually loses him. But then Charlie Caruso and her camera crew locate Shane and they just start asking Shane, what do you plan to do when you can't run away in a steel cage? Uh, she is my favorite. I love her. She's so funny. But like, there's no... Uh, yeah, I mean, do you think these are meant to be funny? <laughs> She's just. She just doesn't care. She's like, how does it feel losing every week? Yeah. How, yeah. Like, how you can't run away anymore. How do you... Do you regret making this so personal? Because he's going <laughs> to kill you in a cage in two weeks' time. So Shane continues to run, and the Miz finally catches him near the limousine, hits him from behind with the steel chair, but Shane eventually fights him off and gets away in his limo. So that feud continues on to SmackDown where you might see The Miz appear as part of this wild card. I do like that they shot all this from a high angle with one camera. Like they kind of paid extra attention to this feeling real in terms of like the camera shots with like Caruso saying, oh, make sure you're getting this camera guy. Make sure you're getting this. And they shot the whole like fight from up top from like the second floor rather than like a GoPro suddenly appearing from inside the limo or something stupid like that. That's that's something I've praised in NXT. They do a lot. Mm-hmm. There's always a reason for a camera being there. It's it's either someone's having a photo shoot about to happen or someone's being interviewed and something gets taken away or just filming in the performance center. There's always a reason for something being filmed. And I, I thought that's why this worked, having Charlie there, having the camera crew chase. I would... I know we're watching wrestling and we're seeing crazy things like Firefly Funhouse and all that, but 
I like there being some sort of logic in what what I'm seeing. Why is there a camera in this place right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think that goes a long way. Like to me, I have no issues at all with like Firefly Funhouse, or even if you had like the Undertaker suddenly like shoot Thunderbolt out of his arms. Like I could buy that, but to me, there's like, um, there's something that's that's under the guise of magic, you know. And I can completely believe magic. I don't think there's supposed to be any magic as it in regards to camera shots or production. That to me is like the framework. That's the that's something like a ten count to end 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 a, ma a match when people are outside of the ring. These are like there's something that should be grounded and there's something that should be real. And then within that space, you can play with something outrageous as long as you know even the Undertaker could be counted up by ten. Absolutely. The Revival are taking on Gallows and Anderson, and oh, no. um, this is uh, tag team, two of the top tag teams on Raw. Before the match interrupts, the Usos, oh, sorry, before the match gets going, the Usos interrupt, and um, they introduce a new product that they've created called Usi Hot, which is a variation of Icy Hot. Um, have you used Icy Hot before ever? Uh, I assume it's like deep freeze and that kind of for bad muscles. Yeah. Like the, the freezy burny kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's my yeah, I, I've used something similar. Yeah. So the Usos mention, I didn't hear the exact words, but the, basically they put the Usi hot into the revivals trunks earlier and they just so happen to be activating right at this moment that they are in the ring. So... <laughs> The Revival suddenly feel a burning sensation and Dawson and Wilder in ring start selling for the Usi Hot. Um, they're rolling on the floor. Dawson's just like doing a butt scoot because his ass is burning. They're running around the floor. It's just like, it's chaos. The Usos have bottles of water on them and the Revival rush to the stage to grab the bottles of water. They pour the bottles of water immediately into their trunks, onto their genitals. And the Usos inform them that you're supposed to drink the water because Usi Hot is sweat activated. So this only burns the revival even more. Dawson starts rolling around like if you people have to watch this segment, I would say, of anything on the show. This deserves to be seen just because it's one of those I can't believe it happened segments. But you also have to watch for Dawson's rolling. Uh, oh, Scott Dawson was incredible. He was and amazing. It's Braden and I turned to each other when we saw this and we both looked sad and went, hey, do you remember when we saw Revival versus DIY in Toronto? <laughs> and like now seeing this, but <laughs> I've got to commend Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder for for the way they sold. I, I don't know what's going on contract wise, apparently being offered a load of money, turning it down. Are they staying? Are they going? Is this a punishment? But if it is, they're they're still giving it their two hundred percent and going all in with it. Where you wouldn't see that from a lot of guys. So I I got to commend them for that. Absolutely. I mean, I find the whole thing really fascinating. Again, we don't know the true reason behind this. Is it? Is it? Is it humiliation? Is it punishment? Is it not? We don't know. But. The, I would say the narrative being created amongst the fan base is that this is somewhat of a live hazing that we're watching on TV for the revival. Um, but, you know, what that basically creates, though, is this kind of effect of, like, great sympathy 
that I think audiences have now for the revival. And especially like seeing somebody like Dawson and Dash like take it not only, you know, so professionally, but to do their best at selling something as stupid as having Icy Hot rubbed into their trunks. It just like ends up getting them more over, I feel. So I think so too. Yeah. Uh, if they if they half asked this, you'd have just gone. That was a terrible segment. Move on. Forget about it. But yeah, I the level of com- I've done shows before where I've hated a bit of direction I've been given or whatever. And if you do it half-assed, it's embarrassing. I mean, this is still pretty embarrassing, but you know it's meant to be that. Uh, well, they made me laugh, so like in the end, yeah. I, I don't know how embarrassing it I really mean, Scott, was. They entertained Scott Dawson me. doing those like forward rolls on the on the top of the ramp and the the butt dragging like a dog on the ring was yeah. great. He does. And I think other guys wouldn't have done this as well. Absolutely, he does great here. Uh, so so <laughs> for whatever reason, I would say uh, give this one a, a look. Kofi Kingston is in the back and uh, he basically retorts Brian's earlier promo. Says. Uh, Brian's not going to change the course of history because, uh, he, this is how history should be, I guess. I don't know, whatever. He says he's going to win, basically. So, Kofi Kingston promo. We go back to the ring where No Way Jose is taking on Lars Sullivan. And yes, I said Lars Sullivan. (laughs) Because no explanation about... Sixth SmackDown Live person in this three-person wildcard, is it? I think fifth, if there is... Five, if you count Shane... If you like, count Shane and Elias, which we later... I mean, Shane is both, but... Okay, then fourth. But... Yeah. Or, or th- fifth. What am I saying? Fifth with Elias. Fifth, yeah. Right, you're right. So, um, no explanation. Like, I found it really awkward here because they didn't even mention that Lars was a SmackDown guy. They The announcers made such a huge deal about, oh my God, it's Roman Reigns, it's Daniel Bryan, it's Kofi Kingston, what's happening? This is not supposed to happen. Meanwhile, Lars Sullivan, SmackDown guy comes onto the show and it's just like business as usual. No way Jose takes on Lars Sullivan. Oh, this is going to be a great match. So I don't, I don't get this. L- Lars just basically is out here, destroys the conga line, uh, power bombs, Jose basically destroys everybody. And we don't really get m- much of an explanation for this until afterwards. Any, any thoughts on the match itself, David? No, sorry. Okay. It's all right. Not really like it's squash. Yeah. At this point, yeah, just a squash and you're rolling your eyes up. So, uh, yeah, Naomi receives a Boys and Girls Club of America award. Uh, important to, to note that. And then we're joined by Vince McMahon backstage who's on the phone with somebody explaining this whole wild card thing because um, I'm sure even the company is really confused by it. So he specifically mentions here. This is like I find the Vince McMahon like filling the plot hole segment that they decided to shoot. Uh, he says Shane and Elias don't count. Okay, so we're left with three plus Lars Sullivan. Vince reiterates that it'll be three on Raw, three on SmackDown. So Lars at this point walks in. He's all sweaty. He stares Vince down, and then Vince to this person on the phone says, "On second thought, it'll be four. And then Lars walks out out of the room, and um. I guess this was like I I guess I just didn't really understand why this wasn't aired before the match. Yeah. You know? And they also never gave Lars a reason to be on Raw. Like we know Roman wants to be here just to I guess talk to Vince. Brian's here to talk to Vince and Kofi's here to talk to Brian, I guess. Why did Lars want to be here? 
And how did he, he get booked into like, a match? Uh, was it actually a match or did he just come out and destroy him? You're right. I, I guess we didn't really get a pinfall. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I guess he just wanted to show up. He was in the area. Yeah. He wanted to work out. All right. So so what did you take away from this? Is it going to be four each week from now on? I assume, Is this... Yeah. I assume it's going to be each week, which seems... I think it'll be every, overboard. It'll be every episode. Yeah. Yeah. But is it so going to sometimes be you'll get sometimes you'll get a tag team like when they need to spike a rating, they're gonna have a bigger name. I I'm not a fan of this. Yeah. Um I'm sure like by now maybe they'll they'll have posted something online about whether or not it'll be four or three, but um anyway, a lot of questions coming out of this. Kofi Kingston takes on Daniel Bryan in our main event, and they note that this is the first time in three years that a true WWE title match has taken place on Raw. And Cole specifies this because only four weeks ago did Kofi Kingston defend his belt against Seth Rollins the night after Raw, uh, which you attended, Davey. I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so basically all of Kofi Kingston's televised title defenses since winning the belt have been, been on angry. Raw. Kofi Kingston, the SmackDown champion, his only title defenses have been on Raw, and somehow we're supposed to be shocked that he's on the show this week. We get to the match. Brian executes a double underhook suplex into an armbar, transitions into the LaBelle lock for the first uh, attempt. We go back from a commercial break and then, oh man, a huge back body drop is delivered from Brian to Kofi onto the floor. I was worried here. It's a huge drop with Kofi's head bouncing off of the mat on the ground, uh, on the on the outside. So it was very scary, but he appeared yeah. to be okay. Yeah, Kofi- I assume he was meant, yeah, it just, he was mimicking PCO here. This just looked oh, awful. Kingston jumps to the top rope from the outside and delivers a step-up corkscrew plancha to Brian on the floor. We go back into the ring. Brian again applies the label lock, and Kofi again gets the ropes. But by now, Kofi's arm is significantly weakened, so Brian targets it with the S-kicks. Kofi fights back, hits a boom drop, goes for the trouble in paradise, but Brian drop kicks him in midair. He goes for the busaiku knee, but that's blocked. The trouble in paradise from Kofi is blocked again, and then Brian goes for another label lock, but before he can lock it in, Kofi gets out and lands the trouble in paradise. And Kofi Kingston retains in this WrestleMania rematch. Um, good match. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, yeah, these two haven't had a bad match yet, I don't think. No. I mean, we've seen them in, uh, if you include like the Elimination Chamber and the gauntlets and stuff. I, I thought this was great and by far the most exciting part of the show. Certainly, and it's two SmackDown guys. Two SmackDown guys, yeah. Certainly, there's no comparison between, you know, what was better between this and WrestleMania. One, like, first of all, just look, I, you and I were both there at Mania for, for the Kofi Bryan match, and uh, it's a world of difference between the crowd reaction for that and this. One was like a several months long, well-built program. Uh, by the end, it was a well-built program. And... The other, this one was just a match that was announced two and a half hours ago with the same stakes, but stakes that just don't feel threatening at all. So it was their attempt to, you know, have a hot match to counter whatever programming was they were going up against. 
We will see if it was uh, worthwhile because, of course, this was also a match that could have been saved for a pay-per-view. Um, in fact, it was supposed to be the Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view match at, at, at one point. Um, you know, whether or not it was worth it, we shall see. Well, part of me was actually wondering if they were going to do the switch because we've we've seen it a lot. Just these, well, when Daniel Bryan won the title last time, it was with an hour's notice, mm-hmm. and but thinking was, a way to go. But that was for a reason, for the Brock match at yeah. the Survivor Series. Yeah, I didn't see Kofi losing this in in putting it back on Bryan against Owens or anything. Although, um, to pop a rating, I guess it's possible. I think that, that's happen. what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, how, how desperate are they right now? Mm. Um, but no, I, I thought this was a great match. I really enjoyed it. It was a very good match. So the show ends and, um, you know, they end like Cole's call by the end of the show was that what's going to happen now that the wild card is in place. This is like, you know, they're building it as like the big new shiny feature of the WWE product. And, Again, like, I have to say, like, I think it's totally wrong, you know? Like, I think they're off mark here because in the end, it's no much of a... It's not that much of a draw whether or not I'm seeing Roman Reigns on Raw or AJ Styles on SmackDown. What instead I think would be exciting is is to go back to having, like, well-told stories and having good characters and good matches. So yeah. uh, what were your thoughts overall on this edition of Raw? <laughs> um... I mean, definitely a newsworthy Raw, uh, if if you want to come out of that, that way. I As I said, I love that main event. Um, the, the revival thing made me sad just to see where they are. But again, I commend them on how dedicated they were to it. Uh, Firefly Funhouse still interests me. I, it was fine. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the matches coming up. It's just, it, it leaves me scratching my head every week. Um... The, the changes they think are going to help the the fact they think we need more Vince, we need more crossover, all that. As you say, I just, I just want things to make sense, good storytelling and great wrestling. Yeah. Is I, that too much to ask? I think it is actually. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just, you know, like you obviously, you know, you cover NXT, you seem to get a great enjoyment out of NXT and that show does not have the star power of, raw um not to say like you can directly lift nxt onto onto raw or smackdown and have it be that enjoyable of a show but i feel like for me like nxt if i watch it and if i enjoy it it, the draw is not necessarily the star power it's the fact that i feel like the stories i'm being presented have all will lead to like a logical payoff they are built logically um and they'll typically end with really hot matches i think the formula is relatively simple yeah. And it just amazes me that like all of these solutions that they've been coming up with, you are the authority. Wild like this wild card thing. To me they just all feel like such superficial fixes that are completely not addressing what the actual problem is. And will a month from now this wild card thing will probably be no more. There'll be another th- another thing they try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, Do you have a rating out of 10 for this show? Uh, I gave it a four. Man, I it's hard for me to give like a show with like a good main event like this like that bad of a rating. But I'm, I guess um, there's, I'm gonna go four and a half. I'm usually okay. very nice, so I'll give it a five just to boost the rating. 
The Forum gave the show 3.62. Oh, jeez. 3.62. Uh, do you do you have the thread up? Uh, would you like to I go through do, some of this? I do, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Sure. So I'll go through this. Uh, uh, I'll start off here with Paul from New Jersey who says, At about 7.15, I received the breaking news message from the WWE Network informing me that Roman Reigns was going to show up tonight. If anybody needed another indication that the brand split means absolutely nothing, here it is. Roman then proceeded to say, and I quote, I've been on Raw for four or five years. <laughs> A long time. Well done, Roman. I understand this is a panicked response to the ratings. Instead of this desperate attempt to draw viewership, why not write more compelling characters, attach stakes in which you stick to, and make your champions look strong? I know it's not this simple, but this just seems very lazy. I was hoping to see Dana Brooke get built up before Money in the Bank. One peach cobbler scented letter and a half entrance later, my hope was running low. The Viking Raiders got zero pop, a totally forgettable show, despite being told how unforgettable it would be the entire night. I give the show a one. I don't like to be this negative, but not a lot of positives tonight. Uh, we go to Jay from Colorado. There is nothing about Monday Night Raw that is fun. Daniel Bryan is the most honest man in wrestling. Out of curiosity, I looked up the numbers that Fox is doing on Friday nights, and right now, between the three shows that occupy that time, Last Man Standing, Cool Kids, and Hell's Kitchen, they pull between 2 million to about 5.5 million viewers. I just don't see how SmackDown is going to draw anything close to that on Friday nights on Fox, especially with both shows in this state. They've got to be shitting themselves at WWE headquarters right now. Something has to change. We shall see. They still have a number of months. Um, Andrew from Cape Breton. It's always been annoying when stipulations are ignored, but when they're ignored two hours into your show, you know you have a problem. This whole wildcard thing just makes me wish the brand split would end and they would unify some titles. The highlight for me tonight, honestly, was the Lucha House Party jobber match. In a world where we have two segment Baron Corbin matches, it seems refreshing to have showcase matches for talent. I kind of wish instead of the tag champs losing, they just had the Viking experience beat some jobbers. An obvious lowlight was the revival and this magic, icy hot stuff the use was invented that you can't feel until you start sweating. People say the revival are being buried, and while that's true, I think the revival love this. This just gives them more sympathy for when they leave. People see how poorly WWE is using the revival, so when they leave, they can advertise themselves as finally getting an opportunity to show what they're made of. I think that's why they did such a good job acting. They'll just continue to cash checks and will keep working WWE into, into thinking this will make them look bad. In the end, this will make them bigger stars outside of WWE due to people looking at WWE as the bad guys. Andrew is totally right. Um, if the WWE really wants to, like, you know, do them harm, I... I they should probably keep them off the of TV, but like yeah. we're, right now, like the revival is probably getting more TV time than they've ever had. Oh, absolutely, completely. Since I mean, what if they they're on TV more than when they were tag champions? <laughs> yeah, your turn. And okay, we have where are we? C Brown, uh, man, I had a shit day. A lot of driving, traffic, just overall the shits. I would have taken a bare minimum coherent show for me to unwind and relax this week. This sucked. Even the edibles I took couldn't save it. Cheers to Kofi and Brian for the hard work in the main. I can't imagine taking edibles and trying to make sense of this wild card thing. Decent Raw, Alex says. Uh, the Revival stuff is funny in a dark way by watching them have fun trying to humiliate these guys for not honoring their contracts and asking for a release. It's a bit ruthless, but is a deterrent against others who don't want to honor what they sign. Okay. Uh, I don't... Yeah, I mean... 
Yeah, we'll see. Kofi and Brian was good. I love the new wildcard rules, so we get every show being a surprise of who's there. WWE should be good while we wait for Undertaker and Lesnar and Goldberg to come hype Saudi show. The fact, the fact they might appear on any show is exciting. A bit more optimistic than a lot of us were, I yes. think. <laughs> we have Carl Jr., Guys, I'm done with the Superstar shakeup, BS, because it's still going on, but they're calling it a wildcard rule now. There hasn't been a true brand separation. Roman Reigns was drafted to SmackDown. Then there's this news he's coming to Raw. They deny it, and there he was. The stuff with the Revival and the Usos, come on, really, can it get any lower for them? Thank you for all the hard work you do on post-wrestling. I first heard you all on the law. Great audio. Keep it up, guys. Thank you, Carl. We got a Noah from Vaughn who says, I watched all three hours of this show and am just baffled at what I watched. I'm disgusted disgusted and embarrassed for what the Titan division has become. How do you mess up a, div- a division with the likes of the Usos, War Raiders, Anderson Gallows, and Revival? Question, since five SmackDown Live superstars appeared on Raw, does this mean five Raw superstars can appear on SmackDown tomorrow? No, because uh, Vince said Elias does not count, Shane does not count. My question is if Lars counts and whether or not it's four now instead of three. I I think Lars is confirmed as a SmackDown superstar and he was the fourth person. So I think we might have four tomorrow instead of three. It's because like Vince's last line was make that four. So does he mean make that four for tonight because Lars happened to be there or is it four permanently from now on? I assume permanently, because if you had four tonight, you've got to have four tomorrow. Mm. Who knows? They'll probably decide tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris Thunder from Queensland, Australia. WWE needs a continuity checker ASAP. This so-called wildcard rule introduced tonight was also broken tonight. So during the opening, Reigns, Bryan and Kingston appeared from SmackDown before Elias and Sullivan appeared later from SmackDown. At this stage, I know it's just a TV show and I shouldn't care, but when WWE can't even keep the rules of their universe straight for three hours, why should I continue to watch? No spoilers, I've just seen Endgame. The three hours flew by and I left the cinema feeling rewarded for investing my time and money into the universe. Why is this so hard for WWE to get right? It's a huge gulf of difference in in the two mediums and just in the two creative processes. So it's... It's almost unfair to compare the two, but, mm. um, you know, but it, it it shows that people have patience for long form programming. It just has to have a lot of thought put into it. Um, this was uh, an interesting addition of the show. And I, at the very least, I'm happy that they're trying new things. You know, if, if this was a show that an episode of Raw that was exactly like last week, I think I would be even more concerned. The fact that they are being experimental and realizing that, that there's an issue that they need to fix is at least a good sign. And whether or not this is a remedy, we will find out uh, when ratings come in and we will find out probably three months from now whether or not they stick with it. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask a quick question. Um, sure. As we're done. Have you seen the new Spider-Man trailer yet? I have. I sure have. Can we talk about it? Uh, should. Shall we give a warning, I guess? All right, spoiler warning. I mean, are we done with Raw? I think we're done with Raw. The Russos themselves issued, uh, lifted the spoiler ban. So by now, now, if you haven't watched, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Endgame, you probably don't give a shit anymore. So yeah, yeah, what did you think of the new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? I I loved it. I just watched it just after I finished Raw. Um, 
it's yeah very very much taking continuing right after endgame um i i spider-man's my favorite superhero so i'm always excited for a spider-man film yeah um it must it must have been like hell to like try to promote this thing without like completely with with endgame because like you see that first trailer and the first trailer was good but it didn't leave you like to me there wasn't a huge hook attached to it it was just kind of like flashy imagery you know they're going on a vacation in italy but we don't know if it took place before the snap or after the snap or in a whatever uh, alter, uh, other dimension or whatever but here this like to- it completely attaches itself to the result of endgame and and they pretty much confirmed that the the universe has been split now into all these multiverses mm-hmm. um, which is exciting did you see the the spider-man into the yes. multiverse film yeah yeah which is i i love that movie but those comics as well mm-hmm. uh I'd be excited to see, are we going to go down the route where we see like Spider-Man from the future and maybe Miles Morales and all that. You, you've opened all that up now. Um, yeah, that'll be so much fun to see. You know, like, I wonder if they will like go there directly so soon after into the Spider-Verse. Like, will we see like a whole, um, yeah, like a Spider-Verse storyline with a bunch of like Spider-Ham and like the MCU. That'd be nuts. They've also already laid down the foundation for Miles Morales um appearing like he exists in this universe miles morales does as does the prowler so yes they won't necessarily have to go to like a different dimension to bring him in um but i'm very excited by the premise like this is you know also a way that you can introduce uh the mutants um any character really completely yeah completely and and i think it's gonna help with these uh the disney plus shows as well uh especially like Man. Loki, who's dead in one universe, it's it's a great way of explaining it with these multiple fractures in time and space and all that. I find it almost a little daunting now that we're going to have so many of these other shows to watch. And I almost worry that it'll be the same type of burnout that I, I ended up experiencing with the Netflix shows where I just couldn't yeah, keep up. I agree. I, I started with, I watched Daredevil 1 and 2. Uh, Jessica Jones season one, Luke Cage season one, and I think the first three seasons of Agent of Shield, and it it just got too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't balance that all with work and and better shows. I think that are on TV, which is a shame because I I love the whole universe, everything they've done. But it it's like wrestling when they start putting out more and more stuff. You feel guilty that you can't see a two o five live or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, like the difference is if it's good content, I think people will always make time for it. Um, if it's like stuff that put, people put a lot of effort into it, I feel for the most part people, you know, and also the Netflix shows gradually they became less and less attached to the actual films where yeah. they've said like this. Kevin Feige has said this will exactly link to, you know, a lot of the, the movies. So, wow. Yeah, we shall see. More MCU talk coming up this Thursday on the Cafe Hangout, which, of course, again, is live for all Double Double Plus patrons. Uh, I'll be joined by my friend Brent Chittenden to talk all MCU, and we'll want to hear from you guys, too, about the MCU and your thoughts on it. Uh, And that show will be up uh, for free on Friday. Uh, But thank you so much, Davey, for taking your whole evening uh, out of of your job, out of your just free time in order to join me to talk about this show. I love having your thoughts. I love hearing you and Brayden talk. To me, you guys have magical chemistry, not only when you talk about 
NXT, but when you talk about movies as well. So where can people find your show up next? You can find our show up next by searching up next on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can find our Pro Wrestling Tees store at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash up next. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Davey Portman and at the Bray D. We just put up a review of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. We're hoping to put out some more uh, Star Wars reviews in the future. And our next movie review is going to be Pokemon The First Movie. Uh, but you can join us on Thursday where we'll be talking all about this week's NXT. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Nate Milton joins me here on Rewind of Smackdown tomorrow. So please join me back here for Davey, for John Pollock, and for myself. Goodbye. Ahoy! With the fun, wait man. a second, wait a second, wait a second. There's nothing about Monday Night Raw that is fun. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.